We have, uh, we, we are really blessed our ministry on Sunday mornings and even on Wednesday nights with people watching us. We believe we have 25 to 20, 30 people on Sunday mornings watching us on the internet. And I have two friends. One, her, her name is Annie. She lives in Houston. Annie, if you're listening, I'll find out if you were listening later. Uh, joined our church this week via the E-Church. So we have a couple of E-Church members and a friend of mine since I was four years old named Martin. Martin, you told me last night you're going to be watching. In Jupiter, Florida is watching probably 85 degrees on the beach. But I love you guys and we're glad you are with us. Are y'all glad to be here today? If I'd be quiet and start preaching, you'd be happier, right? Leon Barmore. Is Coach Barmore here this morning? He was not in the early service. How many of you know Coach Barmore? Coach Barmore was the uh, famous, wonderful Lady Texters coach for many years. Coach knows how to win. Let me just share with you a few things about Coach Barmore. He's in the Naismith Hall of Fame, which is the highest basketball hall of fame. It's pretty neat. Our church actually has two of our members, Carl Malone and Coach Barmore, are in that hall of fame. Isn't that awesome? And they trace that back to me being their pastors, how that, uh, how that happened. Thirteen times in Coach's career at Tech, he won 30 or more ball games. That's, that's incredible. 1988, Louisiana Tech. Texters won the national championship. He won 576 games at Tech. 87% of the time when his teams took the court, they won. Would you agree Coach Barmore understands the path to victory in basketball? Most certainly he, he did. How many of you agree God understands the path to victory in life? Would you, would you agree with that? We're going to be in Joshua chapter 6 this morning, and I am completely sold on the fact that God knows how to get you and me to where we want to be in life. And we're in a sermon series on finding your best life. And I want to begin with this this morning. Finding your best life boils down to following God. It boils down to always following God. Many of us here this morning, we want to be happy. We want to be filled, fulfilled. We want joy. So we're chasing women or men. Or we're chasing money. We're chasing drugs. We're chasing the next party. We, if we just, we'll be happy when we get here. We get that. You will find the life that you really want by following God. In verses 1 through 3, Joshua 6, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. No one went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you will do this for six days. Now, the Jewish people, God has miraculously brought them into this promised land. This is where their best life's going to be. Always remember, following God's a journey. It's an ultimate destination in heaven, but it's a journey. We're always taking the next steps to follow God and be where God would have us to be. It's never static. It's always dynamic. It's wonderful. It's excitement. It's progress. And so they have crossed the Jordan River. It's miraculous. God got them across that. Now they're getting ready to possess this land. Part of possessing this land is there's a lot of evil, bad people there that God had given hundreds of years to repent, and they never had. So they're going to drive these people out, and that wonderful land is going to become their land. Now they have a big obstacle in the way, and that's Jericho. I want you to see on a map where Jericho, all these places, and they're exactly where they uh, 3,000 years ago, they're exactly there today. Jerusalem, here's Jericho. The Jordan River, they, that's the Dead Sea there. Sea of Galilee, Jesus walked on a couple of times. The Jewish people crossed over about right here. Now they're six or seven miles 
West is Jericho. We have a picture of modern-day Jericho, how it looks today, I think. There it is. It is called the City of Palms, as you can see right there. There are palm trees. It's, uh, Jericho also means moon, and some people believe it was because they worshiped the moon. But here's the bottom line right now. God's telling them, this is the land I have for you. This is where the life that you want is going to be. So here's the next step. You've got to go and take this city, take this place. It's key to conquering the country. This is what God is telling them to do. Now, folks, God, if you want to listen to God, he will share with you what you need to do. He really will. God will give us the next steps. God will give us direction. And let me give you the two fundamental ways that God is going to guide you. Number one is your Bible. Always remember that. Your Bible is your guidebook. It is your playbook. It is your rule book. It is your boundaries. God is never going to lead you against the boundaries. How many of you ever had someone come to you and tell you, well, God told me this or God's leading me to do this, and it just sounded really weird and really off base? That's indigestion. That's not God. God's never going to lead you against the Bible. Folks, if the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, why would he contradict it? Do you agree with that? Do you understand that? Psalms 119.105, it says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So how do I find out what God wants me to do? How do I find out the, the, the direction of my life? It starts with your Bible. It'll never go outside of the Bible. But here's the second part of God speaking to you, and that's through the Holy Spirit. I believe God speaks today through the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very important, never against the Bible. He wrote the Bible. He's not going to go against it. But I'm your pastor today because I believe that the Holy Spirit told me in my heart to come here. I'm preaching this sermon today because I believe this is the word that God wanted me to give to you today. Some people believe God doesn't speak anymore. I don't believe that. I believe he does. But it's what's inside the boundaries of the Bible. So you pray about things. You ask God to give you direction. In Colossians chapter 3, it talks about the Spirit of God being an umpire in your heart. You pray about some decision and you feel real uneasy about it. You pray about a decision. It even doesn't make sense and you feel a peace about it. Listen to that. Pay attention to that. Never against the Bible. But listen to that. In John 16, 13, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit, when you became a Christian, he came to live in you. Some of you aren't Christians today. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart today, trying to get in. Those of us who are Christians, we have him in our heart to convict us, to strengthen us encourage us and also to guide us. I love a story that's in Acts chapter 16. This is Paul. It says, when Paul came up, that when they, they'd come to a certain region, Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, did you get that, did not allow them to. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and in a vision, Paul received a vision from a man of Macedonia and saying, come here, Paul ends up going to Macedonia. Now, it's pretty neat. Later on, Peter goes to Bithynia. So you clearly see the Holy Spirit speaking there. So I want to know what God wants me to do. I, I stay, I read my Bible, study my Bible, hear my Bible. The Bible gives me a, the boundaries and very clear direction on a lot of things. Other things, taking this job, marrying this person, breaking up with this person, things like that. Sometimes the Bible's not going to give you a specific person. It'd be neat if it did. 
Our specific job, it'd be neat if it did, but you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. So you want the life God has for you, you've got to follow God. When you follow God, you will get to the place that you want to be. Very important. Now, here's some things that you need to know for the journey. Number one, when you follow God, you are going to face tough obstacles. You are going to face tough obstacles. And I put in parentheses, sometimes it's going to be very hard one thing I think that I was not, it was not explained to me when I was a young Christian is that following Jesus is the best thing you can do. It is the way you're going to find the life that you want to find. But at times, it's going to be very hard. How many of you would agree with that? It, it's the truth. In verse 1, it says, Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. Nobody went in. No one came out. Now, Jericho... Some archaeologists believe it's the oldest inhabited city in the world. So it's even then, thousands of years ago, it's a very established place. It's a very secure place. And for the Jewish people to take this land, man, it's the first obstacle. If you were looking at it, we looked at a map. It's the center point to the country. They've got to take this. Then they're going to go north and south. But this is the first key place for them finding success. Now, it talks about the walls. I'm going to give you a human example. How many of you have ever seen the walls prison in Huntsville, Texas? I didn't ask if you've ever stayed there. I met Cindy there years ago. She was there, some kind of beauty, uh, beauty parlor uh, crime, and I was ministering to her and help her become a Christian there. That's a joke for some of you. Uh, that is a preacher. We won't even get into that. But you see, the, the, the walls unit is called the walls because of what? The walls. And those, th- th- that, those walls are 30 feet high, and they're about a foot or two thick. Now, th- the, the walls of Jericho, a lot of scholars believe they were, were maybe 30 feet high. Now, this is going to seem crazy, but we have examined. We've done everything short of putting a ladder up there. But from the floor here to right there on the ceiling is 30 feet. You go, no way, that's way too high. Some of you are going to worry about that the rest of the service. Brandon, you, you, you got a little finder thing. So that is a huge wall, isn't it? That's high. Now, the walls of Jericho may have actually been 20 feet thick, wide. 20 feet, if you're at this wall right here, 20 feet to where Josh is sitting, that's 20 feet. So you're talking about a huge wall, 30 feet high, 20 feet wide, and it encompassed probably up to seven acres. Seven acres was walled in. How many of you agree God's telling you to go, that's where your best life is, this is what you got to do? Man, wouldn't it have been better if it had been a chain-link fence? You know, wouldn't it have been better if this would have been a nursing home they were trying to overthrow? But, but that, that, that wasn't the case. But I want to tell you this morning something you desperately need to hear. Because some of you are discouraged right now. When you decide to follow God, you are making the greatest decisions you can make. But it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be brutally tough. And you say, well, why? I thought following God's just all ice cream and cookies. Here's why. When you start following God, you have stirred the devil up in your life. Listen, I don't mean this ugly because I've been here before. Some of us, some of us, we are asleep and the devil, it, he's asleep beside you. 
You're no threat to him. But when you decide to live for Christ, to take your family forward, to make the decision to follow God full throttle, you know what? The devil is not going to like that. He's going to get mad. There's going to be people who are going to oppose you. They're going to be jealous. They're going to be envious. They're going to be malicious overtly or covertly, and they're going to try to undermine you. Some people love you dearly. They just don't understand, and they're going to resist what you're doing. It's going to be hard. Folks, doing anything that, that is meaningful almost always is difficult. Wouldn't you agree with that? Would you all agree losing weight's difficult? It is difficult. I, I get tickled. I'm watching a few weeks ago this commercial. And they show these people, listen, if you have a medical problem and you can't gain weight, I am not making fun of you at all. But they show these skinny people and they go, I have tried everything and I cannot gain a pound. And I'm going, you are an idiot. But I bought Fat Club for Men or whatever it was. And I'm paying $100 a month and I have gained 30 pounds in three months. And I'm thinking, look, give me 10 bucks for three months. I'll put some weight on you. Me and my, my girl, Mrs. Debbie, Mrs. Little Debbie, and my friend, Mr. Bell, Mr. Bluebell, we can chunk you up. For most of us, gaining weight's not a challenge. Losing weight is doing stuff that's meaningful. Doing stuff that's hard, uh, sometimes the successful is hard. Mount Rainier in Washington State is a beautiful mountain. It's 14,410 feet uh, up in the air. And a man named Dan Bennett climbed it not long ago. Now, a lot of people have climbed it. I will never climb it, but he climbed it. What made him unique is he is an amputee. And when he was climbing the mountain, he did not have his prosthetic leg on. So he climbed the mountain uh, with one leg and with crutches. And he said the most difficult part of the climb was when they got to an ice field. And I don't remember how long that ice field was. But basically what Dan had to do is he had to jump on his face, crawl as long as he could crawl, get up and jump again for hundreds of yards. It took him several hours to do that. But he climbed Mount Rainier. Now, if I want to see the top of Mount Rainier, I'm going in a helicopter. But if you're going to do something like that, which is a worthwhile challenge, it's going to be hard. Folks, I I just want to tell you something this morning. When you decide to follow God, it's going to be hard. And you're going to hit spots that are very difficult. Here's the second thing. Following God's not going to always make sense. It's not going to always make sense. This story doesn't make sense. In verse 3 and 4, You shall march around the city. All of the men of war are going to go around the city once. Thus you will do this for six days. Seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horn before the Lord. On the seventh day shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. We've got a picture of a ram's horn. It's called a chauffeur. That was for two things, basically. That was to, for battle and to sound the beginning of worship. It wouldn't be like that Corey would have a chauffeur section up here behind the drums or whatever. It was particular. What it did is, it, again, it alerted for battle or for worship. So they're, they're starting on this journey. Look in verse uh, 5 and 6. When they made a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout, shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people will go in, every one before him. Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said, Take up the ark of the covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram, ram horns before the ark of the Lord. Now, there's a couple of significant things here. 
One is you, you see the priests are involved. Well, the priests are the only people that can carry the Ark of the Covenant. That's part of the reason they're involved. They're also leaders. But also the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Folks, here's something neat. No matter what you're doing, when you're following God, God is there with you. It never is too hard for God. God's always going to be with you. And them seeing the Ark of the Covenant, let them know that the presence of God was with them. Now, I'm going to jump. We're not going to read the rest of that story right now. It's a little long. I'm going to tell you what God told them to do. God says, I want you to march around that city one time. They're going to blow those horns. You keep your mouth shut. Then I want you to go back to camp. Then I want you to do it the second day and the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day. Six days, I want you to get up, march around that city. Don't say a word. Then I want you to go back to camp. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around that, the city walls seven times and not say a word. Does this make sense to anybody here? No. Now, you know the rest, many of you know the rest of the story. But it doesn't make sense. If you're going to take a city that's under siege, you do it with battering rams, you do it with ladders, you shoot arrows, you know, you, you've seen the movies over into the city. You don't march around the city You don't walk around the city one time, seven times on the seventh day. It just doesn't make sense. Certainly there was some psychological warfare going on because the people in Jericho knew this was going on, could see this was going on. The first Gulf War happened in 1991. It lasted literally about two weeks. And one of the things that the American and the Allied troops did when they would find Iraqi troops that were kind of holed up somewhere who wouldn't come out is they would blast them with hard rock music 24-7. Uh, if you blasted me with old country twang 24-7, I would give up and tell you everything you wanted. It's psychological warfare. And, and that's, that's part of what was happening here was psychological warfare. But I'm telling you, it just didn't make sense. And I want to tell you something that's really good this morning. God's not going to always make sense to you. Venture to say somebody in this crowd, somebody watching on the Internet, you're, you're ready to give up on your marriage. You want to quit? You, you want to you go another direction, but you don't have a biblical reason to do it, except that you'd, it doesn't make sense to stay in your marriage, and you don't feel it anymore, okay? And God's saying in his word, you stay where you are. Others of you, you're dating somebody, you need to break up. But you really like them. I understand that. I didn't get married until I was 35. I dated 400 people a year. I understand that. Over one a day. You catch the math on that? But God's telling you that's the right thing to do. Some of you, God's saying, you need to take your family or yourself and you need to move to the other side of the world. And you're going, that doesn't make sense. I'm so comfortable here. Some of you want to move to the other side of the world and God's saying, I want you right here. Some of you is telling you some things you need to do with your money or your business that are so radical and so different and it doesn't make sense. But listen, God is God. That's why God doesn't make sense to us. A little bit of an illustration is a Ph.D. in nuclear physics talking to a kindergartner about the subject. They're not on the same page. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 have helped me through the years so much. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes I hear preachers in particular use that verse and, and they, they try to excuse or come up with some weird theologies and then you confront them and they, oh, no, 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 you can't explain God. Now, that, that's not saying God's hiding stuff and God's playing weird theological games. What that's just saying is God, God's on a higher plane than we are. And the way God thinks, God's seeing the whole picture. How many of you want to see the whole picture? I do. But God doesn't show us that. If you're following God, a lot of times it's going to be hard. And and often it's not going to make sense. Here's the third thing. You've got to keep on keeping on. When you're truly following God. Now that's a little sub point we're going to see. When you're truly following God. Again, I'm not going to read this right now, but here's what it to, it told, he told him to do. I want you to march around the city one time and then go back to camp. I want you to march around the city one time the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and go back to camp. And in fact, on the seventh day, I want you to march around that city seven times. Now, folks... I know how people are, and so do you. And if there was any in here that were Baptists, we know what was going on. Why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. We need to fire Joshua and get a new leader. Get a search committee. We need a new leader. Joshua doesn't know what he's doing. About day three, your sandals are getting, getting blisters on your feet, and you're not happy doing this anymore. And people are complaining, we're just wasting time. We need to go take that city. And God's saying, be faithful. Be faithful. Now, here's the only catch I'd say to you and me this morning. Just make sure you're following God. Some of us this morning need to make a UE. <laughs> I mean, we need to turn around. One of the great football stories, if you're, if you're a football person, if you're not, it's still a great story. It ha- happened in the Rose Bowl in 1929. George Seacrest, did you play in the Rose Bowl in 1929? California was playing Georgia Tech, and the California center, a guy named Roy Regals, picked up a fumble, and he is running for a touchdown. And he gets tackled, like most offensive linemen would, trying to run for a touchdown, but he gets tackled one yard from the goal line. The thing that's weird when he gets up, Lance was a sinner. This could have been Lance. He got up as it was his own man who tackled him. If you don't know anything about football, your people are not to tackle you. Unless you're doing what Roy was. Roy was running the wrong way. The very next play, California had the ball, and they got his quarterback got tackled in the end zone. It was a safety, which is two points. They lost the game by one point. Someone said about they called him wrong way Regals the rest of his life. That Roy was very sincere. He was just sincerely wrong. Some of us are sincerely wrong this morning. Sometimes the pain and the the heartache should cause us to stop and pause and take a look and go, am I headed in the right direction? Some of you are going to go, no, I'm not. I need to turn around. Others of us, you are going in the right direction. Listen to it. You're going the right direction. If you're going the direction of the Bible, you're going the direction of the Holy Spirit, you're going what God wants you to do. Keep on marching, friend. Why did they have to keep marching? Here's here's two thoughts of mine. One, maybe God was giving Jericho time to repent. Rahab had repented. She's going to be spared. Remember the prostitute who lives in the city? Maybe God was giving Jericho seven more days to get their lives right with him. We have no record that any of them did. Maybe he was. 
But you know another thing he was doing? He was getting the Jewish people ready. You see, all of us want to be sitting on the gold mine right now, but many of us aren't ready. God's got to continue to prepare our hearts and get us ready for that next step. Galatians 6, 9 is one of the great verses in the Bible. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we what? What does it say? If we don't give up. What if they would have quit on day two? What if they would have quit that, that seventh day on lap five? But they didn't. Listen, following God is where you need to be going. And it's going to be hard. And you're not going to always understand. But if you are on the right path, you keep on keeping on. And here's the, the, the bring it together. Following God always gets you to where you want to be. I'm going to explain that more later. But that's, that's the thought. Following God is going to get you in life where you want to be. It's going to get you to the destination that you are aiming for and that you are shooting for. Look in verse 16 through 20. And the seventh time, this is the seventh day, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live. Because she hid the messengers who went when they were sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Least when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction. Show up next week. We're going to talk about that. But all the silver and gold and every vessel of the bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go in the treasury. Look in verse 20. The people shouted. The trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Folks, the Jordan Valley where where Jericho is is a geological uh, unstable area. They have a lot of earthquakes there. And some scientists, some Bible scholars believe right at this time there was an earthquake. And, And if it was, I want to tell you, what a miracle. What a miracle that was. I mean, they march around the city for six days, then they march around the city on the seventh day. Seven times they blow, they scream. And if that was an earthquake right at that time, or whether that was God just blowing it down, that was a miracle. And let me tell you, when you follow God, you're going to get to where you want to be. Let me, two things happen with this. The first is God gets the glory. That's what you want. Folks, you want things to happen in your life in your marriage, in our church, in your family, in your business, you want things to happen that you have to step back and say, only God could have done this. Don't you? Don't you want things that are so big, so wonderful, that you can't say, look what I did. Look how good I am. Look how smart I am. But man, that God did this. That's what happens when you follow God. But the last part is you Get the victory. You, you get exactly where that, that you want to be. Psalms 37, 4. Let's look at it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, folks, the desire of your heart is not the same as the desire of your eye. The eye is what we think we want. The heart is what we truly want. How many of you believe that God knows truly what you want? God knows what you want better than you know what you want. And what that verse says is love God, follow God, and God is going to take you to the place that you ultimately want to be. 
It's a journey the rest of our lives. But what a beautiful thing. I have a plaque on my desk that says this. Listen to this. The person who follows God always gets to their destination. When you follow God, it may be hard. You're not going to understand. You're going to want to quit. But if you will follow God and you will keep following God, you are eventually going to end up right where you want to be. The question right now is, will we follow God? Would you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christ follower, I guess two questions for you. One, are you on the right path? If not, will you get on the right path? And two, if you're on it, will you decide to stay on it? If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're unsure if you're a Christian, listen, the first first thing in following God is giving Him your life. If you're ready today to follow Christ, sincerely, I want to invite you to pray with me. Pray and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son. And that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment, and when we do, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart, or you're ready to do that. You can catch one of us after church. Or when we stand in a moment, you can come today. You can come today and cross that line with Jesus. Some of you need to do that. Come and do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. You can do that after church. Or you can come this morning when we stand and you you can come and join our church fellowship. Some of you, maybe that's the next step on the journey. And you need to do it. Do that today. Some of you as Christians, you are following God and it's tough and it's hard. Maybe you want to come and pray at the altar or let us pray with you. We would love to. You make a commitment to keep on. Maybe you're a Christian and and the truth is this morning that you're off center. Maybe where you're standing, maybe at the altar. You you need to say, God, with your help, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do my best to follow you the rest of my life. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That He should give His only Son. To make a wretched treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring a bit 
many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking words call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. That it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my as the instruments play for just another moment. Uh, If you have a bulletin, there's a little card attached. Would you tear that card out?